0: I'm James Hahn II and I'm Mark LaCour and you're listening to This Week in Oil and Gas. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry brought to you by Red Wing. I'm James Hahn II from TribeRocket.com. and before I give my tagline and all that stuff, why don't you introduce yourself, Mr. LaCour?
1: Yeah, it's uh, Mark LaCour with modalpoint.com. We're the oil and gas sales experts. But James, You and I talked about your business, and we've actually figured out that there's a more accurate tagline for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so you taught me a lot about market research and everything like that, and I went out there and started saying I was doing sales-driven market research, and you called me last week and said, that's
1: not what you do. Not at all. (laughs) So what do I do? (laughs) You actually do sales research, right? So you're actually uh, right there on the front lines with the sales professionals trying to help your clients figure out where is their gap between what the sales professionals are saying and what the clients want to hear. Yeah, that's
0: exactly right. And we start with interviewing the executive team, the leadership team. We interview the sales team. We interview clients, closed, lost people. Oh, those are fun calls. Don't you love those closed, lost calls, (laughs) Mark?
1: Yeah, so it's actually cool when it's you or I because the guy that's on the other end of the phone doesn't really care. But I would not want to be doing that lost call if I was the actual salesperson that lost that deal.
0: Well, I'm guessing uh, you wouldn't hear as, nearly as many F-bombs as I've heard on some of those calls. Um, uh, and the
1: truth is we hear the truth because we, you do not work for the, for the company that lost the sale versus if the company tried to do it itself, especially if the client liked the salesperson. They're not going to tell the truth. They don't want to hurt his feelings
0: correct so we we're going to be actually redoing our website and we have a new tagline um so it's oil and gas stories that sell
1: yeah and that's that is exactly what you do it just took you and with a little bit of help from me (laughs) to figure out how to put that in words that just makes sense
0: yeah yeah definitely because when you use big uh not not even big but fluffy marketing terms like brand storytelling it sounds a little ridiculous and so I definitely like the the oil and gas stories that sell. And we have a lot of stories to talk about today. But before we do that, we have to give thanks to our amazing sponsor, Red Wing.
1: Yeah, folks, and, and we know their audience is uh, predominantly oil and gas people. And you know Red Wing. In fact, if you look down at your feet, there's probably a pair of Red Wings on your, on your feet right now. But Red Wing is way more than that. So uh, guys out there on those pipelines, doing those expansion, doing those... Uh, checks for leaks and, and welding inspections and all that if you're in fr clothing flame resistant clothing and it's hot and it's uncomfortable check out red wing right they got some very comfortable clothings that give you that same level of protection but allows you to actually not sweat your butt off while you're out there doing your work so uh, check into red wings some flame resistant clothing some really great stuff
0: one thing i really respect about red wing and as you just said i've talked to a lot of the sales team is the point that they make a lot is that you're not going to get the cheapest from us, but you're going to get the best. And, and I, I always appreciate a company that's upfront about you get
1: what you pay for. Right. And it's true. You do get what you pay for. Uh, speaking of that, uh, people pay close attention to the next couple of shows. We have some wonderful uh, helicopter duffel bags that, uh, uh, that Red Wing has given to us to give away to our audience. So we're going to figure out how we'll give those away in the next show or two. But stay tuned. Um, I have one actually in person. They shipped to me, and it is just an awesome bag.
0: Cool. So let's get into the stories, though, because we have quite a few to cover. And starting things off with Saudi Arabia, it's a Bloomberg business. Saudi Arabia spends billions to get Asia hooked on its crude
1: oil. Yeah, it's, um, it, this is a great thing. We've been talking about bits and pieces of this for a It's a very well-written story. Basically, uh, Saudi Arabia is spending money to buy refineries in Asia-Pacific and you go well why does that matter well guess what the refinery has to buy to make stuff oil oil and guess who's guess who's go, where they're going to get that oil from
0: Saudi Arabia and this is something yep. you've been talking about you saying Saudi Arabia is 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 moving into the downstream market so they can re- manu- refine their own oil and so they're doing that not only well I, whenever you said that i always had the impression that they were starting to build new refineries in their backyard but they're going they're outsourcing we're not outsourcing it but but finding existing plants and bringing them online
1: so they're doing both so in their backyard which is the middle east they are building refineries right to start tapping into this global export business but what they're doing in the middle east is instead of trying to build that business from scratch why don't we buy or partner with existing refineries that already have a market that already have the refinery built and as part of that negotiation for um, saudi arabia giving that money they lock in the contract that the oil has to come from Saudi Arabia. It's actually very shrewd, very smart. It's a very long-term strategy. And what they're trying to do is build and buy that export business in Asia Pacific. And the reason they're trying to do it in Asia Pacific is that's going to be one of the fastest growing um, markets to consume um. um refined petrochemical products. So not just fuels, but petrochemicals, fertilizers, and plastics. So this is a shrewd move um, that you would expect from some Saudi Arabia and, and they're doing a good job of this. Now they've run a little bit of trouble in China um, because there's still some areas in China where the government controls the price of, of refined fuels. So gasoline, diesel, jet fuel. So it's a little bit harder to come in, buy a refinery, require the refinery to buy the crude from saudi arabia and then sell that refined gasoline or jet fuel diesel at a profit if the government sets that price that's the only place they're struggling a bit and they'll figure it out
0: and they mentioned a few different countries in terms of south korea vietnam what's what are what are the specific countries that they're really getting active in outside of china
1: so if when you look at Asia Pacific, you have some very mature markets. Think Japan, right? So Japan's growth is actually flat. Actually, it's been, it's been negative for the last couple, about five or six years, and it's relatively flat. But you look at, like, Vietnam – Their economy is growing by double digits. Indonesia, the same way. So they're – and and China, the same way. Even though China slowed down, it's still double-digit growth. So what Saudi Arabia is doing is trying to get in the markets that are growing rapidly. This way they can make the most money for the longest period of time. It's it's just marketing genius.
0: Saudi Aramco does a good job with most of the things they do. Yeah. They definitely do. All right. So speaking of China – south china sea to get chinese oil filling stations
1: what kind of filling stations are these uh so this is a negotiation tactic is what it really is so if you read this article which is actually a, a good article china has built been building for for the last 10 years man-made islands in the china sea now and you may have seen some of this in the news because we've had some military um encounters i will say for those man-made islands what china is basically doing if you of like james if you had a backyard and you had a fence, and behind that fence was your neighbor's property, right? Well, what would happen if every couple of years you move your fence back an inch or two? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, eventually what you end China's up in court, doing. right? Yeah, so China is building these man-made islands, and then go, oh, the new line of our territory is these man-made islands. And then they'll build some more man-made islands out, and they go, oh, our new territories. these Wait, man-made okay,
0: islands. Wait, oh, okay, so I'm going to stop you there. Man-made islands, so kind of uh,
1: like like Dubai-type islands? Yeah, a little bit different. Dubai's a little bit shallower than the China Sea, so basically, what they do, uh, what Chinese government doing is they're finding reefs, some very stable reefs, and then they'll they'll um, they'll um, um, build walls around that reef, and then they'll pump full pump it full of sand from the seafloor, and then you have an island. It's it, it's it's not anything new. It's not any new technology. That's people have been doing it for fifty years at least. Um, but but if you look at what they're really doing, what they're doing is they're building bases for the military. Uh, because they want control of the not only the traffic but all the oil and gas reserves in the south uh, china sea and so the u.s doesn't like that at all we've we've had some military encounters and we've done some reconnaissance flights over saying we see what you're doing stop it so to try to make it more (laughs) legit this article is about how they're going to build basically a big gas station for like the fishermen and all the commercial vessels in the china sea so they can stop to get fuel in the middle of the sea instead of going to land and then china's going see we don't have any military um ambitions around this because we're building a gas station so it's really a negotiation tactic
0: this is for fishermen aka our fleets of military vessels
1: <laughs> well it's not really for their fleets of military vessels it's um uh, the fleet of military vessels has its own tenders its own fuel tenders that travel with it that supply the fuel for the military vessels and then you know a lot of modern big vessels are nuclear power they don't need to be refueled except every seven or ten years
0: all right so uh- our, our 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 last story from around the globe, another hot-button issue in terms of Iran, but we're going there again anyway because it's something we need to talk about because it's a huge story. Big leap anticipated for an Iran's petrochemical industry.
1: Yeah, this just feeds into everything you and I have been talking about in recent history. So uh, Iran is trying to rebuild its economy. It's infrastructure, it's sitting on some very recoverable, very high quality reserves, but they can't get it off the ground and move anywhere because basically there's been war there for so long that all the infrastructure has been destroyed. In order to build that infrastructure, they need foreign investment. And this article is talking about how there's foreign investment ready to start building the infrastructure to start refining goods and being able to export. So once again, here's here's another country that's sitting on oil and gas reserves that sees that export market as being profitable, and so they're going to try to jump into it because they have good reserves sitting in their backyard.
0: I'm used to hearing things in terms of barrels of oil per day or MCF, things like that, and the line here says, he said the, he said the country's petrochemical production will be boosted by 4.5 million tons in the current calendar year. Are petrochemicals measured in tons?
1: Yeah, it depends on what their state is, whether they're solid or liquid. So solids, things like um, styrofoam, butyl, nylon, is going to be in, petrochemicals will be measured in tons. Things that are liquid, you know, methanol, ethylene, um, butanol, that sort of stuff will be measured in gallons or liters.
0: In that case, is this a reflection of the type of c- petrochemical industry that exists in Iran or will be coming?
1: Yeah, you, you might think so by the way they phrase that answer, but let me t- just kind of feed you something else. If you read this whole article, there's, you can tell there's a bit of a marketing spin to this, and I love this. So their deputy managing director, Masamit Hassan Fizidina said, here's his quote, Iran is the safest country for investment in the region. <laughs> <laughs> now... <laughs> I don't care how much you know about geopolitics. If you looked at the Middle East right now, I do not think you would pick Iran as the number one safest country for investment. So you can tell there's a bit of a marketing spin to this.
0: Well, you know they got they got to get the money in there somehow. So, so hats off to him for 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 his blatant it out there. Just putting it out there, baby. Speaking of geopolitics, bringing bringing it home to to America. This is something we've been talking about, something we've been hoping will happen. And there have been some headlines in the past, but they've been about the House. So this is the first one I'm bringing on the show because it looks like it might be legit. Congress reaches fiscal agreement that ends U.S. oil export ban.
1: Yeah, James, you know what? I really, really hope this goes through. Um, This is, you know, I, I... I've spoken in the past about how our politicians here in the U.S. don't actually make concessions anymore. If you read this deal in detail, which I have, which is the actual deal is not listed in this article, but the article hits the highlights. It's actually real good, old-fashioned U.S. politics where both sides made concessions. So basically the Republican side of the House wants to lift the export crude ban, which is a great thing for everybody. And the Democrat side of the House wants to increase its subsidies for renewable fuels and solar. And so I think it was a fair concession. Um, I I feel good about this. I think it's going to pass. You know, one of the things that both sides are worried about is their constituents having gasoline prices, retail gasoline prices go up uh, because of this. What they don't understand is that's not going to happen. If gasoline goes up, it goes up for its own market reasons. We import most of the crude that we use to turn to gasoline in the U.S. We don't we don't. We, we struggle to export the crude that we produce here in the U.S. and turn it into anything. So by opening the export ban, what's going to happen is uh, refineries in the world that can utilize the sweet crude that we produce will buy it, which will then shorten this glut on the market and drive prices up quicker. We will still import the heavy crude that our refineries like to use to turn into gasoline. So, um, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed on this one. The thing I'm a little bit worried about is the president, and this is, um, you know, December 2015. So Barack Obama is still president. The president has said he's going to veto this. I, I think that would be political suicide for the Democratic Party, who's up for re election, if he vetoes this. So, a um, bunch of concessions made in this bill. Neither side has a stronghold on the other side. This is a, a bill that was bipartisan. So, both sides sponsored it. So, you know, I think it's going to go through, and I really hope it's going to go through.
0: One thing, and I don't want to get too political, that is kind of the barrel of the gun that might have brought this negotiation, seems to me brought this negotiation to a head, is the fact that the government's going to shut down and they need money.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and and that happens if you've paid attention in the news in the last couple of years. This happens every year because neither side can make concessions to the point that they'll do a long-term finance plan. And, I mean, it's the U.S. government. Are, are you kidding me? There's some, certain – it's like paying your electricity bill. You know you have to pay it. So why don't you bipartisanly come up with a bill where everything gets paid and take all the special matter interest out and worry about that later? But, yeah, it's – um it, both sides of the House use that um to, to try to help get this sped up, and, and hopefully it will go through.
0: What's this Cadillac tax I hear so much about?
1: Yeah, it has to do with, um, with, um, the, um, the affordable, Obamacare, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so Obamacare, which I apologize for saying that. Cause that's, not a politically correct term. I can't remember. Affordable, affordable, care affordable housing. Care act, that's what it is. Yeah. So, so basically the people at the high end of the affordable care act have to pay a tax that the people on the lower end don't. It's called the Cadillac tax. And so, um, the Republican side of the House have said forever that's not fair. I mean, it's just not, and and they're right. And the Democrat side of the House says, well, the people that are on the high end can afford to pay a little bit to help people on the low end. So it looks like that part's going to stay in there. I don't like it, but it's a concession, and it's a concession I'm willing to make to get the crude export ban lifted.
0: So as soon as we get this, in my mind, good news. I don't. I didn't, I didn't read too much. I, I just scanned it, but it seemed to be a bit of a pushback, so I wanted to, to give a full spectrum of the views here, and this is uh, specifically from The Advocate, which is a Baton Rouge, New Orleans, uh, Acadiana, no? <laughs> Acadiana, yeah. Uh, Louisiana U.S. consumer could see dampened benefit from lifting oil export ban. What is this guy
1: trying to say here? So Louisiana right now is under a democratic government. So if you take that and think about lifting the export ban, what this guy's basically saying is that – The export ban is not going to really help – lifting the export ban is not going to really help anything, and it's probably going to drive the cost of gasoline up, which is going to hurt the consumers in in Louisiana. And he's wrong. He's just wrong, (laughs) pure and simple. Um, He doesn't understand that the crude that we produce in the U.S. we struggle to refine. He doesn't understand that most of the crude that we refine to gasoline, jet fuel, and diesel comes from um, um, imports, predominantly from the Middle East and Canada because we want that heavy crude. Um, He doesn't understand that the price of gasoline is not – directly tied to the price of crude, although there is a relationship there's a bunch of constraints in the market and um, there's seasonal differences so this is a, a somebody writing an article trying to show something but the, it's really driven by a political slant
0: got it what is maybe just one factual thing that we could pull out that would say yeah he got this wrong
1: yeah um so one of the things here he's talking about he, he's saying that you know the claims that removing the ban will increase u.s energy production and he doesn't think that's true are you kidding me? If you're a fracker right now and you're getting $35 a barrel and we lift export ban and you can sell it to Mexico for $70 a barrel, you don't think that's going to increase energy <laughs> production? Dude, have you ever been in the oil field? Don't think so.
0: Right. And I, I really appreciate the way he says the American Petroleum Institute and Industry Lobbying Group. It, I'm just going to move on from that story. But it's always funny when they throw that in there because, of course, API isn't credible because they're a lobbying group.
1: Well, they're, they're, you know, this, I mean, you and I go to their meetings, they're way more in a lobby group. That's part of what they do. Part of what they do is make sure everybody's safe in the world, you know, offshore. If you go offshore, you know, anywhere and you, that mud pump has some API certification, the guy that's actually handling the jib, he had to go through some API certification course. The soap that you wash your hands with is API certified. So it's way, way, way more than just a political lobby group.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's a networking group. It's a, it's a family almost. And so it's it, a
1: way to give back. I mean, I teach on Thursdays. I teach at my local high school, I teach biology through uh, a grant by the API, right? Uh, with some help from the SPE, um, we've stood up. We, we Most of our money goes to um, scholarships for underprivileged kids, right? We had stood up trade schools and some really horrible high schools. So these kids would have a future. So, yeah, it's we're, we're way more in a lobby group. Way, way more.
0: All right, so uh, moving on to a little business talk, a little business talk. Chevron's CEO sheds some light on how it plans to tackle a new era of oil.
1: Yeah, so this is an investment piece talking about how Chevron is not doing as good as its peers, the BPs and Exxon's and the Shell's and its low crude price environment. And they're right but there's a difference so chevron is a super major right it has refiners it has pipelines um, it does emp work but chevron predominantly is an e emp company so of course when the price of crude drops they're gonna get hurt more than companies like exxon who has a very robust downstream and, and shell and bp as well and so the other thing that you have to remember is when you're doing a complex offshore project or even something on land like wheatstone in australia that project is a 50-year life cycle from the moment of conception to the moment of decommissioning. So when you have these quarterly spikes or drops and a price accrued, you can't just stop production on, on this project, right? You can slow it down. You can push things out. So Chevron's price is, is take Chevron's stock has taken a hit. Um, and it will continue to take a hit. And this is a article, investment article about how their CEO. Um, John Watson is uh, going to change some things, to make sure they have positive cash flow. The truth is, Chevron has positioned itself to rock and roll when the price of crude comes back. But of course, Wall Street doesn't see that. So, because they're a public company, the CEO has to do certain things to placate Wall Street to keep his shareholder value uh, or the value of his shareholders at least a place where they're happy, maybe not ecstatic, but happy, knowing that when the price of crude comes back, their, share- their stock values would go through the roof.
0: One of the things we talked about on the other show, which is the new show, if you haven't heard of it, the Oil and Gas Careers podcast, was the fact that Anadarko is a supply chain company, and ExxonMobil can do more with a dollar than anyone. What is Chevron's specialty?
1: So I'm going to back you up. That was actually Kinder Morgan could do more with a dollar. Ah, that's Exxon's right. really an engineering and project management company. Chevron? Chevron's a technology company that just happens to get oil on the ground. That's their competitive differentiator. Um, they invest in technology. They <laughs> buy new technology. They they have a huge a group called Chevron Technology Investment Group that literally go out and look at entrepreneurs and startups and say, "Hey, we think this might be useful." To Chevron, let us give you some engineers and some money, and let's see what you do with this in a couple of years. So, Chevron's a technology company that just happens to get oil on the ground.
0: Awesome. We've got some big news coming downstream in terms of Dow and Dupont. Dow Dupont set. 130 billion dollar mega merger could spark
1: more deals. Yeah, so um I saw this coming. It just makes total sense. The petrochemical divisions of both Dow and DuPont are growing like crazy. I mean, just ridiculous. But they have other divisions. They have agriculture divisions. Uh you may have heard of Corning cookware. Um, you know, they make styrofoam, uh, fiberglass, you know, a bunch of other things. And so it just makes sense if you take the two parts of their business, the petrochemical divisions that are growing, lump them together and form a different company and then take everything off and form a separate company that may or may not be spun off somewhere down the road so that the, the petrochemical division is free to grow without being dragged by all these other businesses that aren't doing as well. This
0: is a good time, I think, to dive in because we've talked before about how downstream is more than refineries. And we've mentioned plastics and chemical, but we've even pushed a little further downstream here where we're talking about farming chemicals, all kinds of different things. So dig into that for me.
1: Well, so that's the parts of their vision that are not downstream, right, that they're going to spin off. So the agrochemicals, even though those agrochemicals, probably parts of those chemicals come from from downstream, they they have a whole agriculture division, um, um, which is – it's. they they basically genetically engineer seeds to be resistant to certain uh, weed, killers. They've been to weed killers. They then manufacture the weed killers. They then sell the seeds to farmers, and then the farmers use their weed killers, which means there's less herbicides being actually placed in the field, which means the food's actually healthier for people. They do the same thing with pesticides. They genetically engineer the seeds. Uh, to be resistant to certain pests, so you don't need to use pesticides, so then the food is, is healthier for people. But that that part of their business is not growing as fast as their petrochemical division, so they're going to lump all that together. And they also, you know, Dow um, also um, is in like um, um, wood products, you know, um, pulp wood and paper and all that sort of stuff. None of that is growing as quick as their petrochemicals, so they'll take um, DuPont's, Petrochemical divisions. They'll take Dow's petrochemical division, lump them together, form a different company, and that will be let loose to grow. And then the two companies that are left, they have a pharmaceutical division, a food center, um, an agriculture division. Um, you know, thinks of things like um, Kevlar or Teflon, you know, that, that's, that's DuPont products. Um, they'll lump all that together, and that, that will not grow as quick as the petrochemical division. And it may eventually, somewhere down the road, be sold off.
0: To play devil's advocate, there is a regulatory scrutiny. Uh, subhead down here, the American Institute, uh, Antitrust Institute, Diana Moss, quote here, the seed, quote, the seed market is already dominated by Monsanto. You're almost creating a duopoly in the market, and that's a problem.
1: Yeah. So, um, have you ever heard of Roundup, James? I have. Yeah. So, Monsanto makes Roundup. And let me tell you the true story of Roundup that most consumers don't know Roundup is a pest, I mean, a herbicide that really doesn't poison anything. What it does is it causes the plant to grow so quick that it kills itself. But the moment Roundup hits the ground, it's inert. There is nothing left. So what Monsetto has done over the last couple of years is they engineered seeds, soybeans, wheat, corn, whatever, that are resistant to Roundup. So they, sell, they make their money by selling the seeds to farmers who then can only spray their crop with one herbicide, which is Roundup. And the moment the Roundup hits the ground, there's nothing left. There's no chemicals left. So it's extremely safe for people to eat, and it's very productive for the farmers because you have no weeds in your crops. that are competing for nutrients and lights. So that's Monsanto dominates that world globally. And what, this, um, what Diane Moss is saying that if you let DuPont and Dow spin off their agriculture division, you'll basically only have two people at play in that world. I don't know agriculture, so I don't really want to comment on that. I see her point. My gut tells me there's probably some other players growing in that market that she's probably not mentioning. I, But like I said, I don't really know agriculture, so I just I don't really want to talk about that. Cause I, I don't know anything about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, understood. Just from a general philosophical view, i got to believe that any competition is good. And so if you bring in a second, then maybe a third and fourth and fifth and so forth will come running. On to the Seeking Alpha story of the week, as we pretty much always have one anyway. And the end of fossil fuels, not so fast, my
1: friend. Yeah, it's funny that you put this in here because I've been paying attention to the um, uh, climate conference going on in Paris. And, um, you know, a bunch of environmental groups from the, the conference ended announced – that this was the end of fossil fuels and the thing i find so funny about it is they were announcing it using their iphones and they were <laughs> announcing it on billboards and they were announcing it using plastic letters on signs it's like do y'all do you even know where do you think all that stuff comes from so for our audience there uh, there is no end of fossil fuels you know i have my personal opinion which is as we move forward in time we'll use less and less um, hydrocarbons for fuel we'll still use them for chemicals and stuff um and i think eventually we'll the demand for fossil fuels um, will end before the supply of fossil fuels end but um yeah it's it's just too i mean it's too ingrained in the world economy. You have a bunch of countries now that are uh, moving out of um, poverty into um, into their own industrial revolutions that can only be f- uh, fueled by fossil fuels right now. they touch every part of our life. Um, In Europe and U.S., um, our pollution has went down since the 1970s. Here in the U.S., even though our productivity has went up, um, our CO2 emissions have went down for the first time this year, which means we're over the hump. So, um, you know, into fossil fuels? No. Does that make some good um, marketing stuff for the environmentalists? Absolutely, but uh, it doesn't even touch reality.
0: I really like this. It's not a new graphic because it's from 2009, but products made from a barrel of crude oil.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I uh, I did something for Thanksgiving where I released a graphic on Twitter and it showed that literally the game of American football could not be played without petroleum products because it showed every part of a football game that uh, petroleum is used to manufacture everything from helmets and uni- uniforms to the actual ball, to the playing field, to the lights, to the stadium stands, to the straw in your Coke, to the label in your beer bottle. It's just, you know, it just Sorry, the reality is it's part of our life, and it's a good thing, right? It's it's taking people out of poverty. You know, our our, our rate of death for climate rate related incidents has dropped eighty five percent in the last twenty years. Um, our environment's cleaner, our water's cleaner, and and all of that is in some way responsible uh, because of the use of fossil fuels.
0: As you say that, I can't help but think of my my buddy Eric over there in Calmazoo, and I say over there because I'm actually recording this from Michigan, up here visiting my son and having uh well. You know, we both had the flu for the last couple of days, so we we've been partying, but we had a little, <laughs> we had a we had a little break in the party. But regardless, Eric, Eric is a is a rampant anti fossil fuel person, but. Mixed in with his anti-fossil fuel posts are are pictures of jam band concert festival in the middle of a field somewhere, <laughs> and I'm just looking at the thing, seeing like, okay, you see all these trailers, you see all these lights, <laughs> you see all even even the XLR cords that are
1: plugging in the microphones. D- do you do you appreciate the ability to do that? I'm not sure. Not only that, but think about wind energy. Think about those blades and those wind termites. Those blades could not exist without the composites from the oil and gas industry. The wires that carry electricity down that tower uh, out into the grid are insulated with insulation made from oil and gas industry. The um, circuit boards are made from uh, plastics and oil and gas. I mean, literally, wind power could not exist in the U.S. without the oil and gas industry. People just don't get it.
0: Yeah, we win. All um, right, Restru- speaking of winning, I should say, restructuring practices staff has uh, have grown amid oil downturn so always always want to put a spotlight on something that's grown in a downturn is this a good or a bad thing it's it's
1: neither it's it's just a a business opportunity and it was interesting you put this in here because the last couple of days i've been watching what's going on uh, here in the u.s with with the low crude prices and i'm watching a lot of the smaller operators they're only able to make enough money to pay the debt on their interest not actually um um I mean, I'm sorry, I only pay the interest on their debt, not actually pay the debt down. And I started thinking, it's like, is this going to create a distressed debt market uh, in the financial sector in in the U.S. for the oil and gas industry? And and if you read this, it could be that's what's actually happened. So basically, other businesses are profiting off the misfortune of the um, upstream operators here in the U.S. And, and I say profiting, it's not a bad thing, right? If you need to restructure, if you need to declare bankruptcy, you need the help of Bankers a financial analyst, and financial analysts and lawyer, if you're a big company, and of course those guys need to get paid. So, you know, you could look at this and one way and say, you know, these guys are um, are, are um, prospering over other people's misfortune, but no, it's a just a business opportunity for somebody to come in, and this is talking about several firms that are growing that are hiring people to help these people restructure. Um so you know, it's actually creating jobs and, and nobody wants to see people get laid off. I mean, I don't. And and nobody that's in the oil and gas industry likes to have oil below forty dollars a barrel. But, you know, here's here's a good example of where there's a, a play in the market that was being de- that, you know, came out of nowhere and people are filling that hole and, and are making money off of it.
0: Well and not only that, but you guys, oh, they're profiteering off of people's Well a lot of those people made some pretty I don't want to say bad decisions or, or pretty bad decisions, but when it comes down to it, a lot of companies got over leveraged.
1: Yeah, and, and these companies aren't trying to put you out of business. In fact, if they do their work well, they'll keep you in business. Now, you may shrink by 50%. <clears throat> your credit rate may be downgraded, but you'll still be here. Um, even the guys that were over leveraged, right? If, if, if they get into the stress debt market and, and people are willing to finance them, then they can keep their business afloat. And then hopefully they've learned so that 10 years from now when the next downturn happens, they don't find themselves in this position again.
0: All right, we're gonna we're gonna have to cap with this one because it has eight one hundred and eighty three thousand likes on Facebook, twenty seven thousand shares. I was even seeing people far outside of the oil and gas industry, far outside of Texas, sharing this story. It's just a good news story to 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 close on here. Houston company gives every employee hundred thousand dollar Christmas bonus.
1: Yeah, now that that sounds. Um that sounds like uh, somebody's not running good business. It's the exact opposite. Um, Hill Corp. is a great corporation. And so what they did, they did this a few years ago, uh, maybe five or six years ago. They basically looked at all their employees and said, look, we have certain goals as a company. If we hit the goals as a company, I will give everybody X. And I actually think it was a car. <laughs> um, and so um, the, the CEO did the same thing for this year, right? He said, okay, here's the deal. We have goals. If we hit our goals, I will give everybody $100,000. And he did. They hit their goals, and so literally every person from the receptionist, you know, to the the senior engineers got an extra hundred thousand dollars at the end of the year. I mean, does it get any better than that? Does, do you know any other industry where the CEO would commit to that and then actually write all those checks for a hundred thousand dollars each? I think this is awesome.
0: Those evil one percenter oil fuel, <laughs> oil fueled fossil fuel evil men giving out a hundred thousand dollars to the secretary. I freaking love it. I absolutely love it. All right, we've got the onion of the week in here, which is uh, the the onion had their annual year 2015 best stories, and this is this. I just love all the ways that they can manipulate Joe Biden's face to look yeah. <laughs> in all kinds of different nefarious ways. So Biden worries legalized weed in D.C. will cut into his business. <laughs> so you can go ahead and read that. Oh, by the way, all of the show notes, all the stories that we mentioned here everything is at tribrocket.com forward slash tw42 on this one let's what we, we we would usually transition into events but we know it's toward the end of the year and the events are happening at people's homes you got a you got a chance to see a picture of my family right mark
1: yeah it's a huge family there are
0: people all that's everywhere. only one you- that's only one side of the family buddy <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so instead of talking about events, James, let's talk about a little bit about our our new our new show.
0: Yeah, let's do it. So the Oil and Gas Careers Podcast is the show for anyone looking for a career in the oil
1: business. And it's not just anybody looking for a career, but if you have a career and you're looking to advance your career, we help you with that as well. Um it's um we've gotten some rave reviews. You know, James and I got a lot of input in the last year <laughs> about starting another podcast. This just made sense and people are loving it. So you know, if if you're in the oil and gas industry and you're looking to maybe change careers or see what other possibilities are out there, you need to listen to the show. If you listen to this show and you're not in the oil and gas industry and you'd like to get into it, you need to listen to our show. Um, and if you listen to it, it's, it's a different format, right? It's a short twenty-minute. Um, That's what show. I was
0: about to say. A lot of the people, there were a lot of people that liked the original because we started off at twenty minutes on this show and it, and it evolved into a more long form. And this this one is back to that under twenty minutes in and out hit hit and run
1: yeah and it's 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 a different format and i actually enjoy that it's it's two different shows i enjoy that one as much as i enjoy this one But folks, if you go over there and listen to it and you like it, help James and I. This is a brand new show, so we really, really, really need your help. Take the minute and a half and give us a review on our new show. It's we need it right now more than ever, and it's also a chance for us to help grow our audience so that people that are looking for work in oil and gas can find us and we can help them.
0: The reason he says we need it more than ever is because right now is the critical time in the launch phase where we are currently on the front page of business news in new and noteworthy. And we were down, we were far, as far to the right that we were second to last, I should say. And we got one review and that pushed us up to where you could see us. So if we could get one, two, three, four, ten 10 more reviews, we would be able to be up in the front. And that would help us immensely because, well, it would help your fellow oil and gas people out there trying to find new careers or or trying to break into the industry.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's unfortunately a, a decent amount of people that are looking for work in oil and gas. So we're trying to help them and we need your help to help them. So go leave a review.
0: Yeah, it's at tribrocket.com forward slash CP So that stands for careers podcast. If you can remember that, tribrocket.com forward slash CP reviews. I've got the, the link set up that takes you right into iTunes. Same thing for this show. Where you can because we haven't gotten any reviews on this show since the last guy hated on me, um, so try bracket. so for this show it's driverackcket forward slash t w reviews, but if you could help us out on the new show, that would be awesome um Mark,
1: we have a LinkedIn group, yeah, so if you enjoy the show, we have something that you'll enjoy almost as much as maybe not more is we have a linkedin group it's basically a sister companion to this show, so we have um you know almost all of our listeners on it they're very active. It's an awesome place to meet new people, to get input, to get ideas, to peep people's brains. I've seen people go out and make introductions for other people. I've seen James go out there and help do some copyright. Um, it's, it's our family, right? It's, it's This Week in all Gas family. So go join. You'll be glad you did. And wrapping things up, we have a first Friday Q&A. And that's the first
0: Friday of the new year. The first happens to fall on a Friday. So talk about that.
1: Yeah, so uh, once a month, the first Friday Q&A, we actually take your questions and try to answer them. Uh, we're, we're not maybe 100% successful, but um, there's a bunch of ways you can get the questions to us. But if you have something that you don't know, you have something you want to know more about, or if you have something you just want to ask James and I, reach out to us. There's a multiple ways to get them told us. Give us the question, and then hopefully we'll read your question on the air.
0: Yeah, so it's at triberocket.com forward slash QA. And on that page, you will see two options. First of all, you can just type your type your question in there and the more detail you can give us the better because we've had a couple of questions we just c- couldn't answer because we didn't know enough about the situation so if you could give us a little detail or we got our first voicemail last month which was awesome and so if if you want to do that you can on the right hand side it says it says send voicemail you just click that button and it's really easy. All you do is click that button, record your voicemail, send it to us. We get, we get notified, and then we play that on the show.
1: Yeah, so it just doesn't get any easier. Submit your questions, and we'll try to answer them on the show.
0: All right, and looking at the calendar, next week, I think. Yeah, next week is Christmas, and we already have a show on uh, ready to go for Christmas. And tell them about that because it's an awesome show.
1: Yeah so we we basically spent hours and hours When he hours says we
0: he means him. Mark Lacour did it.
1: <laughs> to going through all the news articles for 2015 in oil and gas and we took the top news articles and that's what our show's about. So it's a, a bit of a retrospective show. Um, I think it came out really well. It's, um, there'll be some stuff in there. You'll go, oh, darn, I forgot about that, but you're right. So um, look out for it. It should be a really good show.
0: Yeah, so that's, that is the top 14 show, uh, top fourteen oil and gas stories of 2015. I love all the retrospective things that come out toward the end of the year, and so I thought it'd be fun to do that. So that's what's coming out next week. And then the following week, we have the Q&A. So go to tribrocket.com forward slash qa to submit your question and i think that's it from me what about you mark
1: yeah so folks do great work pay it forward and we will see you next time
0: go find some grease guys Wow, I was just about to go ahead and say that.
1: Damn it. (laughs) We can do it all over if you want to.